Welcome to the Turnstile Moment, a podcast about the moments in life when everything changes. Every episode of the Turnstile Moment brings you the story of someone whose life changed in an instant. You can subscribe on Apple Music or your favorite podcatcher. Here's the next story. My name is Bob LeDrew, and I'm the creator of the Turnstile Podcast. A long time ago, it occurred to me that we all have moments in our lives that make a difference. We go through our days and we sort of look at things and and nothing really seems to change. But there are some moments. There are some things that happen. A birth, a death, a firing, a hiring, a friendship, a relationship. And after those moments happen you realize that everything afterwards is going to be different because of them. Those are the moments that really interest me, and that's the reason that I wanted to get the excuse to talk to other people about the moments in their lives that changed everything. So I hope you enjoy these stories, and I hope you enjoy the one that's coming up. My name is Shauna Caspi, and I'm a singer-songwriter. I live in Toronto. Uh, My moment is the time that I got fired. And I guess it's not being fired, they call it being laid off, which was me getting laid off uh, among several hundred other television employees. So even though I had been there for a couple of years and the workplace was deteriorating and I was pretty miserable there, I was hesitant to look for something else or to leave because particularly those health benefits were very attractive. And so even when I would go to look for other jobs, I would turn down the opportunity to apply for something if it wasn't the same kind of scenario that I was already in. And so I surprisingly lasted longer than I expected at that television job. And then when I finally got laid off, it was done in such a a rude and uncomfortable and mean way that I was really frustrated. I had already seen so many streams of people going in and out of the VP's office and getting pink slips and, and just the morale at the place was so low by then that even though I was half expecting it, I was still really upset and, and, and worried, you know, about how I was going to continue to pay my bills and the usual things you worry about when you get laid off. But I was also insulted because I had done a really great job and I had put a lot into this job and they were offering me a really insulting package. <laughs> And they were also offering me the opportunity to go back to being a part-time employee at the same rate that I was being paid when I first started there three years prior. And so at that point, I just realized that they were taking advantage of me. And I demanded a better severance package. I grabbed that severance package and I walked out the door um, with no, I didn't have to stay there for any extra time. You know, there's a two weeks notice. I don't know if that's how that works, but I just, I, I, once I actually decided to do that and left, there was this wave of relief that flooded over me. And I knew it was the right thing to do, but I was still really scared. 
I didn't have any stuff. <laughs> I actually made a point to never keep any stuff at my day job. Um, but, but I had definitely seen that, again, streaming by me for a year or so already. So I just, I felt a wave of relief. And then I immediately got to the task of applying for new jobs. But what was so freeing was that now I, I wasn't locked into that idea of, of it having to have a particular look to whatever job I was applying for. So there, there were jobs that I, I decided to apply to that were contract work or things that were great but what I, that I would never would have approached before because I thought that they were less than what I was doing already. And so the first job, one of the first jobs that I applied to ended up being the next job that I got, which was working at the Ontario Arts Council, which is one of the best jobs I've ever had in my life. And it was a maternity leave contract that I never would have looked at before. And as soon as I went in for the interview, I knew it was the perfect job for me. And I did end up getting it. And then that led to every other job I got since then. I had a wonderful time working there. And then I ended up working at an opera company through that. And that job was part-time. And then by the time I got to there, I started realizing that I could handle living in a, in a less secure way than I had been used to before. So I was working part-time. I started touring part-time. And then after a few years, I had tapered off the day job, and then I was touring full-time. And it was interesting because when I, when I got laid off of that first job, I was already seeing my day-to-day -day life shift. I was no longer on a rigid schedule, so that was an adjustment at first. Like, I was finding myself just slowly walking around the farmer's market, which is something I had never done before in the middle of the day. Or for the first couple of weeks, I would be watching television in the middle of the day, and I ended up watching the entire three seasons of Slings and Arrows <laughs> over a, a few weeks in the middle of the day. And, and uh, at the time, I was playing music on the side, as you do when you have a nine to five job, and I was really just sticking around Toronto mostly. But at the time, I had really bad performance anxiety as a musician. And so when I lost that job and I thought, well, maybe this is a good opportunity to play more music now that I have nothing else going on. But I couldn't do it because I was so anxious. And so I figured, well, if I'm going to do something going forward, I have to get a hold on this anxiety. And I remember shortly after that happened, going to my family doctor and saying, I think I have this anxiety problem. I really want to get a hold of it. And testament to what the Ontario healthcare system is like, I thought you could go to your doctor and say that and they would connect you with their doctor friends that they knew and trusted and would be good for you. But all I got was this printout from the internet, which I had already seen, of just names and phone numbers of, you know, a hundred therapists you could call, <laughs> which is hilarious because when you have anxiety, that's the worst thing you could get. So that didn't happen. I remember actually I called one of them and made an appointment and canceled it. And then I called the uh, Toronto Artist Health Center and made an appointment and canceled it. 
and then and then I got this new job and my life had structure again but as it evolved and as I started to make music more and work jobs less and especially when I started going on the road there was this natural change and shift to the way I thought of everything and it it was like the cure for my anxiety I didn't have to see anyone because I just had to shove myself out on the road where everything is unpredictable and you have no control over everything and you just have to accept it. I think I had never before considered that I could live a life that was unpredictable and unstable, which is the life I'm currently living as a musician where you know there is no regular paycheck and there is no stability it was it was just a almost like an overnight uh, acceptance of that opportunity even though i was part of a bigger layoff that was happening not only at the place i was working at but around the country and hundreds of people were in the same position as me. And even though I wasn't even happy there anymore, I was still hurt by that action. Um, I think I didn't realize the benefit of it until much later. And I have since been an advocate to others who are unhappy at their jobs, but who argue that they have to be there because of their pension or their health benefits or, or whatever. Um, I mean, certainly if, if you have to support a family and there's no other choice, I understand. But, but if that's not the case, I really believe there is no reason to stay in a job just for those reasons. And, and I, I can't stress that enough and I'm a testament to that. There's no reason to be so unhappy in your day-to-day -day life that that you're only sticking around because you know you have stability yeah I think it was like I threw myself into it and had no other choice but to adapt and and I, th I think that I don't know if that's the right cure for others who might be going through the same thing but but it really did work for me. I mean, it was hard. There were definitely painful moments to get there. But part of it was in order to address the performance anxiety, it was addressing anxiety in general and approaching life in a less all or nothing kind of way. So at, at that, before that, I was approaching everything as though it was a life or death scenario. And then when I realized that life goes on after bad things happen, which is the same thing as what happened when I was laid off. I, I, you know, I couldn't imagine at 25 or 26, what am I gonna do now that I don't have this job? It sounds so ridiculous. But when I saw that, you know, the, a world of opportunity opens after those things, so it's the same in any other scenario. You know, what if you are late for that train? Is it the end of the world? What if you do 
forget a, forget a line on stage. Is it the end of the world? No, life goes on. It's a and it's a beautiful example of humanity. You know, we're all in, we're all doing those things, and and it's still okay. You're still a good person, and and there's still good things that can happen to you. And one of my favorite, this is probably unrelated to anything we've talked about, but one of my favorite stories that I always would think about um, when it came to performance anxiety, I used to get really worried about getting sick before a performance, like so much so that I was probably making myself sick before the performance. And then, I don't know if you've heard the story of J.D. Edwards, when he was playing in the J.D. Edwards band, he went down to play at Folk Alliance in Memphis, you know, spent all that money, he had five or six people in the band, they're all ready to do their big showcase. They drive all the way to Memphis. And then JD has to get his appendix out in Memphis. Good God. <laughs> Misses the whole conference, no showcases. You know, obviously with the trauma of also having to have surgery in the middle of somewhere you don't know. And then he wrote an amazing song afterwards. And it's a great story. And you know, it sounded to me that would have been horrifying. You know, you're all ready for your big showcase and you don't get to do it. Your career is over. Well, no, like he's had a long career since then. Life goes on. Um, I was, I was very young and fairly unworldly hadn't really done a whole lot, um, but I was very organized and uh, precise, and, but, but at the same time I feel like I was very small and kind of living life in black and white rather than in color. Probably a few years after that to, to kind of open up and to just make my world bigger, literally and figuratively. When, in the immediate aftermath of your moment. What was the low point? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So I applied for EI, which I'd never done before, and I didn't realize really what it was. I thought it was like an insult, you know, like you're applying for charity or something. But, you know, I was told that it's your right as a EI contributing employee that you can go back and get it. But it's a, a very complicated process, and if you're doing it Honestly and correctly, you have to be applying for jobs all the time. You have to tell them every single thing you're doing. You ha and if you do get part-time work, you have to tell them every single hour and every single dollar that you make. And that kind of felt demoralizing, but I appreciated that that, that was there. And so in the process of looking for jobs, you know, I was looking every day for a new job, I saw my old job <laughs> posted, essentially reposted, at, with part-time hours at a far lower rate of pay. And again, I just felt so insulted that they would do that. I was insulted and angry. And I think that 
I had to just let go of of the ties that I felt to that place because I had put so much into it and because I really believed in the medium at the time it wasn't just that I was mad I didn't have a job I was mad that the art and creativity of television was being dismantled but I had to let go of that that wasn't that wasn't my problem anymore I think finding such a perfect fit for me in my next job was really helpful. And it took a few months, but I was happy that I had been patient. And I really felt so good and like such a good fit for this new job that when I got it and I met the people that I was working with and I, I could I just felt like I was serving artists again, whereas the previous job that I'd had that was similar had devolved into this really awful corporate environment, and I felt like I was back to being in a place where the job wasn't about me, it wasn't about my coworkers, it was about helping artists make art. And as an artist myself, who at the time wasn't making art full-time, it was kind of like, the next best thing would be to help someone else do that. It was the shakeup of a regular schedule. And I remember also that was the time that I picked up the accordion. I forgot about that. I had this time and I wanted to fill that time with something useful. And so I figured it would be great if I learned a new skill, or in this case, learned a new instrument. And so somebody lent me an accordion, and I just learned how to play it on my own. I don't play it anymore, but there was a time where, I, where it was just a cool exercise day to day to learn something new. And so I think that was me trying to create a structure for my day to day life where I didn't have one, but to try to do more things that were creative because that's what inspires me day to day. There are so many opportunities that you don't even realize are out there. The, the same lesson as, as I've mentioned before, that life goes on and that you should never stay in a situation that makes you unhappy if just because you're afraid of what's next because there's no time for that. There, and I feel like there is a way that you can get out of those situations. So don't stay in a situation that makes you unhappy. Yeah, I think so. Because I was unhappy. And I wasn't getting much out of it. I just thought that I was. I was so young. There's so many other things I could do. I mean, I had a friend at that time, still friends now, but we were, we were the same age, and she was working for the federal government, as many people do, and hated her job, and would say things in her mid-20s, like, just 40 more years of pensionable hours. I'm like, no, 
it's not worth it. Especially when, even when you think your job is secure, at any time it can still be taken away from you. I wouldn't provide that kind of loyalty to anyone if I'm unhappy. You know, don't blame yourself, their loss, uh, you can do better, and that there are opportunities out there, even if it seems like in the moment everything is awful, because that's normal too. Everything will feel awful in that moment. It's a terrible thing to happen to you, but sometimes it's the greatest thing that can happen in your life, and you just might not realize it until later. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Turnstile Moment using your favorite podcatcher. Do you have a Turnstile Moment you'd like to share? If you do, please drop us a note at turnstilemoment at gmail.com. And if you like this podcast, tell a friend about it in any way that suits you. And please rate us and leave a review on Apple Music.